0: This is episode 010 with Andrea Robertson.
1: Over the next 10 weeks, I went back to work and I kept doing these ridiculous hours and I got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker and I, someone who has never put on weight Ted and I put on 10 kilos in that few weeks Oh my. and um, but my like rings were tight and my shoes were tight so it was sort of like, didn't really know what was going on and um, I found a naturopath who's still my mentor to this day and she just totally saved my life.
0: Welcome to the Behind the Fitness podcast, where we interview the world's most motivating and successful fitness trainers, instructors, and coaches to inspire people to be their very best every day. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Ted James. Let's get going. Our guest today danced professionally for 12 years in Paris, Spain, the U.S., and on TV. She's a nutritionist and an osteopath, and naturopath doctor specializing in the musculoskeletal system and natural healing practices. Also, she is a master bar trainer. I want to welcome Dr. Andrea Robertson, founder of The Bar Clinic. Today, we're really going to get to know Andrea and understand what women in their 30s and 40s can do when they say everything I used to do doesn't work anymore but before we dive into that Andrea can you tell us something that you believe can make you successful in health or fitness that many people might disagree with
1: Oh, okay thanks for the intro Ted that's lovely um yeah really I don't know that everyone would necessarily disagree with this but I think the thing that makes you successful in fitness or any part of your life is just putting in the work and putting in the effort so some people think that they can get there by being an overnight success in like their own fitness or perhaps in a fitness business but really it's about the hard work putting in a hundred percent of the effort and then you get a hundred percent of the results
0: absolutely there are no shortcuts everybody wants that quick diet or that that five minute workout that's gonna give you abs next week yes
1: and there is none of that (laughs) I really like the philosophy of just like one small step at a time and um, it compounds positively over a long time. Like if you go to the gym tomorrow and you don't get the body you want in three days, a lot of people give up. But if you persistently do that little bit every day with nutrition or with fitness or with mindset, then over time that compounds in a positive way. So it's really about just chipping away and putting in the effort, no matter if it's fitness business or your own health and fitness
0: absolutely well can you give us a little bit more background on yourself and then tell us what drove you to find your love for dance when you were young and then how did that progress to your journey with being professional a professional dancer that took you all over the world
1: okay yeah it's quite an interesting story so um i guess my background is i i have been a dancer since i was three years old and i still dance now at the age of 45 so it's been a long time, but my professional career was sort of from age 18 to about 32. And um, as okay. well as that, I'm an osteopath, naturopath and nutritionist. So I've been at university for about 10 years in there as well. But um, my dancing love started and I still have a really early memory of when I must have been quite young. Maybe was before I started classes, so I must have been maybe two or three. And I remember seeing Swan Lake, like a beautiful ballet on television, one Christmas evening and saying to saying to um, my family, like, what's that? And actually, I was with it a, with a, another. Um, we're at a family function, and this uh, this older girl. I said, "What's that?" And she said, "Oh, that's ballet." But I heard it as belly. So I went to mum the next you know week or whatever and said, "I want to do belly." <laughs> so I'm very lucky she didn't put me in belly classes, belly dancing classes.
0: <laughs>
1: but um, the next year on Christmas Eve. Ballet came on the television again. It's always a thing in Australia. There's always a ballet on Christmas Eve on the television. Okay. And I said to mum, look, look, there's ballet. And she was like, oh, okay, so for a year you've been asking to do ballet. (laughs) So the next year she started me in ballet. Like none of our family has any creativity or musicality or dance background at all. So it was nothing through our family. It was just me seeing this thing and wanting to do it. And so I started ballet and was really um, worked at a very high level with ballet right through until I was 18. I wanted to become a professional ballet dancer, but I'm quite tall. So I grew too tall for that career. And I also had this sliding doors moment. So my parents are really sensible and they know that the dance career is a really tricky thing. And especially because I had my height advantage, disadvantage for ballet against me. And so they wanted me to go to university and they so to do that you have to finish year 12 that's our final year of high school in australia and um so i finished my final school exams and um, i had an audition for the australian ballet school the next like two days later and so i'm from the country regional australia and my parents drove me down to the capital city of melbourne and um, i was doing some ballet class with another teacher the night before my audition and I'd already had had spoken to the head of the school and she said like we're really happy to take you into the school but you'll never dance as a professional dancer in Australia you're too tall but you know we'll give you this opportunity but I had to go through the process of the audition and I was doing ballet class the night before and I did this little exercise it's a tiny little kind of sideways jump and a hop thing called a glissade jeté and rolled my ankle and I broke a little bone in my foot so I didn't get to go to the audition. Obviously, it wasn't a bad oh. break. It was only only kind of three weeks on, you know, not walking, and um, but it was enough for me not to go to the audition the next day. And so that was that sliding doors moment. And I went to university instead, straight out of year twelve, and um,
0: okay.
1: didn't think that my uh, didn't think that I would be having a career in dance because I didn't know of any other style of dance other than ballet. It was really my single pointed focus. And so I started studying osteopathy, and when I was living then in the capital city in Melbourne, I um, heard about this other world of dance, and we call it commercial dance scene. So it's what you would kind of know of film clips and corporate events and sporting events with cheerleaders and all that kind of thing. So I went off to an audition to become a cheerleader for the national basketball team we have he- here in Melbourne. And... Um, and got the job and so that opened up a whole new world of dance to me and so all the way through yeah all the way through university my job then was dancing in different events and had an agency and did some modeling stuff and you know all of that kind of thing that tied in together and then um, I had six years of university as an osteopath to become an osteopath and then I remember somebody saying to me in my one of my dancing jobs you should audition for the Moulin Rouge in in Paris and I had never heard of that as well and it was right around the time 2000 I think you 2000 that the Moulin Rouge movie came out and so all of a sudden there was this huge big hype around it and they came out to Australia and auditioned a whole like 800 girls in Australia and I got the job nice. so I um, was already a qualified osteopath and I went off to Paris and started dancing at the Moulin Rouge okay. Yeah, and it was an amazing experience, and that kind of started off, I did two years in Paris and a year in Spain in a big show called Sonoma, and then I went to the States and worked on cruise ships, came back to Australia and still danced professionally there for quite a number of years in Sydney, and all the time doing osteopathy on the side. So that's kind of how it all started and combined all the way through.
0: Okay. Very interesting. I didn't know there was a height limit to, to dance or ballet, really. Why, why does that matter how tall you are?
1: Well, you see, I'm uh, nearly six foot. I'm five foot eleven. And okay. um, I have big feet.
0: <laughs> so okay.
1: when I stand, you know, ballerinas stand on their toes. And if I stand on my yeah. toes, then I'm like nearly seven foot. And so the guys have to be taller than you. And there's not that many seven foot dancers around and plus when you're taller you're heavier and guys you know have to lift you and do all that stuff in ballet so the smaller and more petite you are the easier that is yeah
0: all right all right so it really wasn't your fault it's just the guy's fault
1: (laughs) (laughs) we could say that if we had taller (laughs) men in dancing then maybe i would have been a ballerina.
0: yes you just need more taller stronger guys in dancing all right yeah okay um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty awesome story that you got to go all over and, and do that with dance. That doesn't seem like an opportunity that a lot of people have really.
1: No. And gosh, even now with COVID, like it really makes me so sad because if that was, if if it was, if I was, you know, 22 and 23 now wanting to go off and do that around the world, we wouldn't have that opportunity anymore because our borders in Australia are so strictly closed and, um, right. I feel really sad for the people of that age group now that would have been in that, you know, trying to start off a dance career. We don't have a lot of that kind of work in Australia, so you really do have to go to Europe or America for that. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful that that happened and gave me um, the opportunities I had. And so many of my best friends are from my dance world and just because given me friends all over the world. So anytime I go traveling, um, there's always someone I can visit usually wherever I go. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, that that is too bad that those opportunities aren't there right now for for other people. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully soon we will see. We will see.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed because well, I just feel really sad about it for so many people and what they're missing out on.
0: Yeah, right, right. Well, um, I know you said uh, that you practice osteopath. Um, you were osteopath for all through. College and all through your dance career. Um, Can you tell us what that is exactly and and what you did?
1: Yeah, sure. So, an osteopath is um, a hands on manual therapist. So, people come to me for like back pain or neck pain or um, all sorts of other stuff beyond that as well. But it's a manual therapy. So, people come in and I take a full medical history and chat to them about their problems and work out a diagnosis by using osteopathic and orthopedic testing and then give them a manual hands-on treatment. So it's a little bit like in, okay. in America, physiotherapists are called, I think, physical therapists in America. So it's a little bit similar yes. to that, yeah.
0: Okay, okay, all right. That I definitely understand that part. Um, you're also uh, a naturopath doctor. What What does that exactly, can you explain to us what that is?
1: Yeah, so I studied um, that after osteopathy because I have a really big interest in um, the organs of our body and how it can affect our musculoskeletal system through a technique that I love doing called visceral osteopathy or visceral manipulation and that led me into wanting to know more about the biochemistry and the physiology of the body and so naturopathic medicine is really um, uh, beyond it's not the musculoskeletal system but it's in the whole system and it's it's treating people with natural medicine. So. Diet changes okay. and supplements or herb herbal medicine.
0: Okay, just kind of staying away from the pharmaceutical drugs and yeah. and yeah. Uh, working with natural remedies.
1: Hundred percent.
0: Okay. Um, and you're also also a nutritionist, so uh, it seems like you you've went through quite a bit of school in your life. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: I studied for ten years.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, how does how does that work with all your other schooling, being a um, nutritionist?
1: Yeah, I just combine it with everything I do. Like, I think the three professions of osteopathy, naturopathy, and nutrition just fit so beautifully together. And um, okay. like in my clinical situation, if I'm treating a patient hands-on for osteopathy, I can talk to them about their diet, then if there's any blood tests i want to do i can request pathology and then help them with some supplements but i also see you know i see some patients for osteopathy and naturopathy together but some for just naturopathy and some for just osteopathy and some for just nutrition so people can kind of pick and choose really what they want to do with me but i've combined all of my sort of 21 22 years of experience now into um some online programs so that's where my interests are at the minute and where I'm really excited because I can use everything that I know like injury management and and physical management and exercise and fitness as well as the nutrition and um and functional medicine support through the naturopathy
0: oh that's got to be extremely helpful to people what does a program like that kind of look like can you can you give us like a real quick breakdown of what that progression looks like
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm running at the moment a 12 week program for women aged over 35 using it's a really scientific kind of background and it helps them lose weight and keep it off and give them body confidence and the ability to fit back into their clothes again. So this 12 week program runs with three aspects of mindset, movement and nutrition. And so I work closely with each client with a one on one appointment like I would in a clinical situation with their nutrition and naturopathy and full medical history and like I delve right into all their body systems and all their organ, like you know, um, different s- systemic medicine in their body and um, different uh, symptoms and signs, and then really help them and teach them to learn how um, how to read and understand their body for inflammatory reactions. So that's kind of the nutrition okay. part of it. And if I need to do any supplement support with them, I can offer them that as well and then we have a um, fitness program that goes along with it and it's really about moving the body every day because some people can't necessarily do what other people can do fitness wise if they're managing a hip replacement or um, fibromyalgia or different conditions like that and so um, i have this whole kind of fitness program that they can either choose to do online classes with me or um, we do a weekly yoga together online or they might um you know, discuss other options for fitness and movement that they can do.
0: So I know you work with a lot of women, you said in their thirties, forties and fifties. What do you do to help these women with nutrition and movement when they tell you everything I used to do just doesn't work anymore?
1: Yeah. It's so interesting to like in our forties and the perimenopause years and into fifties and sixties, the body's going through so many changes. And so I'm really big on education and I really truly believe knowledge is power. So I try and empower these women with the knowledge of what's actually changing in their bodies and then teach them how to manage that because it's so true. So many of the women come to me and say, like what I, exactly what you said, what I used to do doesn't work anymore. And so, and I felt that too, you know, like the body changes and there's, I, I teach them about what's happening with progesterone and estrogen and why that's changing. And there's also such a huge, Um, increased prevalence of autoimmune diseases that happen as the body's going through these changes. So just teaching women how to do that. And then a really big thing I love to teach them is um, how to listen to their bodies for inflammation and how to understand what's happening. So I know that I could say to these women, like, this is what you're going to do for 12 weeks, Like, you're going to do this and this and this and this and this. And at the end of the 12 weeks, they've got no knowledge. They would have ended up with the same physical outcome, but they wouldn't have had that knowledge and power to be able to maintain that themselves afterwards and understand why they're doing that for their own bodies. So that's really the biggest thing to just teach them to understand their own bodies and teach them to find the answers for themselves rather than me just handing the answers to them on a platter. Which is the same end result, but very different journey and very different mindset for them to finish the program with me at the end.
0: Yes. They know why they're doing what they're doing instead of just going through the movements.
1: Yeah. And they know why they're doing it for them because what's right for them is not right for the other person next to them and the other person next to them as well.
0: Okay. Okay so it is a lot learning about how to listen to your body i know you said that about inflammation but is it everything else like i feel this way today this is why it's happening most likely is that kind of what you help them out with also
1: yeah definitely 100 percent. so um i mean inflammation is a massive thing and it's a contributor to most of the chronic diseases out there today like it if you've inflamed and got systemic inflammation or chronic inflammation that's kind of like whole body low grade inflammation as opposed to you know roll your ankle which we call acute inflammation but this whole body systemic inflammation doesn't mean you're going to develop chronic diseases but all the chronic diseases are linked with chronic inflammation so um I just, my whole principle of life is living a healthier life for longer. And I want to teach other people how to live a healthier life for longer. Like, there's no point being 90, bedridden, unwell, and sick if you can't do anything um, and just being kept alive through, you know, pharmaceuticals and in bed. It's much, wouldn't it be much better to be 90 and be active and walking and fit and healthy? So it's really about longevity. If people can understand in our 40s, especially in 50s, how to read your body for inflammation and pull that down. Like it's just going to give us so much of a better chance to reduce incidence of Alzheimer's, reduce incidence of dementia and heart disease and cancer, like really reduce all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's the main goal, I think. Yeah. To figure out what what are a few things, the uh, examples that you see over and over of causes of this chronic inflammation all over your body
1: yeah um stress (laughs) big time (laughs) eating eating food that's not real so i always say you know our number one week one lesson is to eat real food so i teach people how to get the packet of the ingredients and actually understand what you're eating in a packet food and um you know is that ingredient list, is it a real food or is it a fake food and a chemical kind of manufactured food? And so that's mind-blowing for so many people. And In Australia, its I know it's not the same in the States, but they always pop the food, that like the fake food as a number. So in Australia, I say no numbers, but I know I've seen lots of the packets in the States and they put the whole chemical kind of name down. So for my clients in the States, I say, you know just make sure you understand what every ingredient is and if it sounds like it's a chemical or man-made it is and it's not something to eat like you want to only eat real food it's really the number one thing i think food is definitely your medicine
0: Yes yep yeah. they they usually do put out the full names in the US here and um usually you read those and you no idea what what it is so and it's marked a lot of it's marketed as healthy foods to eat here's a quick healthy snack but it's just packed full of chemicals and preservatives Yeah. yeah so
1: and it's just it just contributes to inflammation big time so if we can like i'm not big on like counting macros or counting calories but i'm very big on eating real food and if you eat just real food and get rid of that chemical kind of fake food the body won't be in a state of inflammation it will find the okay. weight that it wants to be naturally so people will always lose weight if they reduce inflammation in their body but you don't have to you know count calories and macros and every day like weigh whey food like it's not about that it's just about just eat real food but honestly Ted so many people don't know this and so many people yeah. just because of the marketing like oh, that's healthy. Right. Like it says, it's a health food on the front. And um, yeah, when they start to learn how to read packets, it's huge.
0: Ah, and that's probably so much easier and less, less laborsome than counting macros every day and counting exact calories. So, and I think that's one of the biggest goals is to make it simple, really. Yeah,
1: so. yeah 100%. And so, you know, the first time you go to the supermarket, it takes forever because you've got to stand there and read the packets <laughs> of everything. But once, you know, once my clients find the brand that they know they can have, like over time, it doesn't take long to go shopping and get the ones that they like or just, you know, in Australia, all our fruits and vegetables are on the outer edges of the supermarket. I don't know what it's like over there. But um, so I say to people, you know, just eat from around the edges. Don't go in the middle aisles. Yeah. Yeah
0: from around the edges all right (laughs) yeah um and actually so so me and my wife are in our late 30s right now and I was telling her that I was going to be talking to you about these things today and so it it uh it definitely kind of hit home and um made me realize all right we're going to possibly be moving on to a new stage in our life like physically so um it's very interested to talk to you today about yeah. all of this
1: yeah definitely especially for her like she, she's going through a lot more changes than you are in the next you know right five yes years. <laughs> yeah, <with> her <laughs> <hormone>. <laughs> and her metabolism but then your metabolism is going to change a little bit too in the next 10 years
0: i'm sure yes <laughs> yeah that's all right i'll be the, there to support so as much as i yeah. can <laughs> um yeah so uh are you able to use your medical practice and all all of the knowledge that you have with with medicine and your bar training together as uh, a bar trainer to help people out
1: yeah absolutely so I guess um the bar side of it has been another whole story so when I stopped dancing professionally um a friend of mine who I used to dance with in the Moulin Rouge discovered bar works at workouts in the States and she brought that back to Australia and through a lot of her old Moulin Rouge friends at network, we all started bar studios in Australia as kind of the first group of people doing this and so I've had my own bar okay. studio for 12 years as well, which is actually upstairs from my clinic, they're in the same building and so okay. I've been able to combine the both really well. Like I'll go in and teach a class at six in the morning and i take my work clothes and I'll get changed at work and have breakfast there and then start seeing patients. And that's how I've combined kind of the two things I love, which is dance and movement as well as helping people with their health. And then nice. um, in my programs, like I, that's really bringing all of that together because the online workouts I provide for the ladies in my programs are bar and I'm also a yoga teacher. So bar and yoga and weight-based training, which is also super important for women in their forties to be doing some weights. So I combine Mm -hmm. all of that into that. And And I also have a YouTube channel, which is where I give bar workouts for people to do on YouTube. And that's been really fun doing that, filming those and, um, and then I also have another online program which I teach people all over the world how to become bar instructors so I feel like my whole life is just a combination I don't have to do just one thing all the time it's a combination of all the things that I love and I've been one of these lucky people to be able to make money from the things I love and my hobbies like you know dancing and yoga has have become my my um revenue streams and um so I'm one of these people that what's the expression? Like if you um, love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Even yes. though I do nowadays. <laughs> nowadays. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm sure it's a grind some days, but that, that is great that you get to love the work that you do. Yeah. 100%. Can you tell us um, the names of those programs, each one, okay. the training program for teachers and um, yes. the other so regular bar train?
1: Yeah, the, bar, um, the training program for teachers is just called the Bar Clinic Teacher Training Program. And okay. then my app and online program is called the Bar Clinic TV. And my YouTube channel, um, I just changed the name recently actually. I had it under Bar with Andrea, but I've changed it to Andrea Robertson because I want to be able to put more nutrition and um, health tips and stuff onto the YouTube channel as well as the Bar Workout. So I'm just making that a bit more all-encompassing of everything that I love. Um, okay. And then, yeah, just on my website, andrearobertson.health is where all of that information is about my 12-week program as well. Do you know my 12-week program, Ted, doesn't have a name. It's just called my 12-week program. <laughs> so it's very, <laughs> very unsexy, but it, it works.
0: <laughs> hey, people People understand. It's better to be clear sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. And that's great that you are also providing more of the nutrition information and, um, and, and all that other knowledge that you've, you've had from your 10 years of school to, uh, to add on to your, your bar programs. So I'm sure people appreciate that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure. I know that, I know that they do.
0: Well, um, now I want, I want to dive in a little bit more, uh, to know you personally. Um, so, would you be able to tell us a moment in your life where you were at your lowest and how did you overcome it? And what did you learn from being in that, in that place?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when there's one moment that definitely, well, there's probably two moments that jumped to mind. Um, but the first okay. one was when I was in my early thirties, still dancing professionally. I was living in Sydney and, um, and I was working as an osteopath three days a week and then dancing in shows six nights a week. And I went through this phase where there was a lot of other osteopaths locally that knew that I wasn't working full-time every day with osteo, and um, they would ask me often to cover their clinics and do locum work for them. So I was in this little phase of my life where it was 12 weeks, where I was working um, full-time osteopath during the day and seeing 80 patients a week, which is a lot. <laughs> like normally 50 yeah, patients is a like lot, is a lot. So we have sort of half an hour appointments with each patient. And then um, dancing six nights a week, and on week ten, Ted, I was sitting in my clinic treating a patient, and my vision started to cloud over from the sides, so like just like curtains, like curtains coming across. And then my body had a seizure down the right hand side. It's all very dramatic. And I um, remember leaving, like I just walked out of the treatment room because I couldn't talk, and I yeah. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just left my patient there. So like, so not what I would do. It, you know, in an ideal situation. But I went out to my receptionist and just said something's wrong with me. And she she could see it and she said it is. So she she um, got the patient to stay in the building. I think it was like at the end of the day and there was only the three of us there. And she walked me across the road to our doctor's office across the road. And um, they sent me straight to hospital. I had all these tests and I think they thought I had a brain tumor or something bizarre and nothing nothing showed up.
0: Okay, But
1: then over the next... So I was sent home with a diagnosis of a migraine without a headache. And um, over the next 10 weeks, I went back to work and I kept doing these ridiculous hours and I got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And I, someone who has never put on weight, Ted, and I put on 10 kilos in that few weeks. And, um, but my like rings were tight and my shoes were tight. So I was sort of like, I didn't really know what was going on. And um I found a naturopath who's still my mentor to this day and she just totally saved my life and that's how I really started studying naturopathy after that. but within wow. yeah within two days I'd sat on the toilet and I'd peed out seven kilos. it was all inflammation and fluid retention. And then by the end of the week the whole 10 kilos was gone. so she just that said to is me wild. Oh, my whole, it's wild she said my whole body had shut down. All my elimination systems weren't working. Um, it all made sense to her. And it was the first person that had said, you know, that it actually makes sense because you feel like you're going mad when everyone says, oh, it's just a migraine. But, you know, there's something bigger than that. And so oh, that was... Yeah, a, it's going to be um, scary. Yeah, it was really scary. And so I was really, really unwell. I look back at photos of myself from that time and I just look gray, you know, when you look at... There's no color in my face. And... Um, I would say I got really much better in sort of a couple of weeks but then it was really the last 30% that took another eight or nine years and it was only when I really studied naturopathy nutrition and got rid of what I was talking about with you before all those chemicals and preservatives and additives out of my diet that I um, felt 100% right and I still have to be quite strict with what I eat like I don't eat gluten and I very rarely eat dairy and that keeps the inflammation down in my body but my body is very sensitive to inflammation and the second part okay. Ted that I was going to tell you about was um, yeah. in my late 30s I went through IVF and um, sadly it didn't work so um, but it just put my body right back into a big inflammatory state again and so it was another kind of bout of what I had in my early 30s but it took it, I feel like it took me about five years to get to recover from all those IVF medications and probably the emotional trauma and everything as well with it. So, yeah, there you go. There's two big things, and I've healed both of those with really just eating well and um, having a good mindset and exercising regularly and just really looking after my body and keeping inflammation down.
0: That's five years is a long time to recover from really anything. Yeah. But it's good that you had the knowledge that you do an understanding of, I have to keep on doing this to, to get where I want to be.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. That it's, is, did it really come down to basically stress is what put you over the edge?
1: Oh, uh, I didn't feel stressed in my head, but I think it was all stress on my body. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's not like I was like, I'm so stressed. I think it was just the busyness and the pushing. Like I'm pretty good at pushing myself pretty hard. Um, But I think (laughs) then my body just gave up at that point in my early 30s anyway. It was just just too much for too long.
0: And with like no recovery time. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Wow. That had to be terrifying going to the doctor and thinking they're going to do a scan and find out. <clears throat> exactly what it is and all of a sudden it comes back nothing nope sorry go home
1: <laughs> yeah, it was weird like I just actually remember being in the hospital I remember thinking I remember thinking they're not going to find something like I don't know why I had this inherent gut instinct that they wouldn't find anything but I knew something was wrong oh. with me Yeah, so it's weird weird
0: that is weird
1: yeah
0: well it, it's great that you were able to figure it out and and uh become educated and now be able to help other people probably in that same position yeah definitely Um,
1: hopefully no one has to be as dramatic as i was but uh, we try and catch it before (laughs) they get to that point
0: yes prevention well um what would you say your personal philosophy is
1: yeah, so my personal philosophy is really about living a healthier life for longer, which is what I was kind of talking about earlier. And that's really, um, you know, I want to be somebody that is active and active aging as I get older and, you know, really enjoy my years after I retire, perhaps into my 70s and 80s, as opposed to being unwell and, and um, not having a very enjoyable life in those years. So um, that's what I want for my clients as well, and it's all about teaching them to have the healthier life for longer, and not, you know, reducing the incidence of all those chronic diseases—the heart disease and cancer, and um, autoimmune diseases, and Alzheimer and dementia. And I think you know, there's another personal element in that too for me, Ted. Is my mum's a breast cancer breast cancer survivor twice over. Okay. And I've seen her go through all of this and um she has lots of complications in her health these days from the really intense chemotherapy program that she was on in those early days. Oh. And um and she's really well. Like she's you know 72 and she's doing really well, but it's affected her a lot and I I don't really want to get cancer, <laughs> none of us do. But I feel if I look after my health as best as I can and you know, feed it with good nutrition and, and, um, stay a healthy weight and, and do regular exercise that I'm giving my body the best chance to not have that situation happen.
0: Yes. Agreed. I, I actually went through, uh, when I was younger, a couple of years of chemotherapy and, um, yeah, it, it can screw up so many things. I mean, they're really just pumping poison into you in a a certain way to try to kill off cancer yeah so, and I'm sure your mom benefited greatly from somebody with so many years of knowledge um, to help her in different directions, be like, all right, we can try we can try this, uh, even though you're having a side effect from from chemo to try to yeah. remedy that,
1: yeah, I mean, she's it's amazing. She's alive, and so we're so grateful that she had the chemo and probably the same for you, Ted, like you're here, and really healthy and well. Yes. and so we're really grateful for that obviously but it's nice to um see if we can prevent that before it gets there for ourselves and for our clients
0: yes that's another driver for me to uh try to be healthy and eat right and and exercise and just just have a a healthy lifestyle is to not get that back ever again
1: yeah yeah Mm
0: -hmm. well this last question is the uh save the world question. Um, (laughs) If you were able to pick only one short message sent completely anonymous to every person in the world and they would really listen and take it to heart, what would that one message be?
1: I I had to think about this because you've given me a heads up on this question already, Ted. And I feel like my message is really important for Western cultures, but perhaps not so much for third world cultures, if that's all right. But it's just, just eat real food. So... Staying away from the chemicals, and I know that that's not everyone has that opportunity in every culture in our world to choose. But for those of us who have the choice, is to just eat real food.
0: Yes, that's huge. I, I think that could change so many things in your life. Um, like you said earlier, your your food is let the food be the medicine.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Well.
0: Um, Can you share with us how we can connect with you? And then we're going to say goodbye.
1: Thank you. Sure. So um, Instagram under Dr. Dr. Andrea Robertson. So Dr. Andrea Robertson. I have a free Facebook group that I'm really happy to invite anyone to come along to. And that's really focused on women over 35 as well. And that's called The Whole Health Solution with Andrea Robertson. So you just search for that and I'll add you in. My website is andrearobertson.health. And my YouTube channel is Andrea Robertson.
0: All right. Well, and after the show, head over to BehindTheFitness.com. You'll find links to each each episode, links to connect with Andrea, and more. Also, definitely be sure to check out Andrea's science-backed 12-week program for movement, mindset, and nutrition to lose weight and keep it off. Andrea, thank you again for spending time with us and letting us get to know you better. It was truly powerful.
1: Thank you, Ted. Thanks so much for the uh, invitation to come on the program.